Y'all pray for us. If there's any doubt where my alliance lies, he allowed to show my dirty laundry all over the place. But she always does laundry in boots and leather jackets, just so you know. Like, that's not just for video. Um, today we are talking about marriage. And um, you're, you're in for a treat uh, because I've got my lovely bride here to help in this endeavor. You know, I said last week... I, I couldn't even begin to think about speaking on marriage because she taught me everything I know about marriage anyway. Yes, so, um, but today we're starting a brand new series called Daily Grind. And for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at some very um, practical topics about the way that we live every day. So today we're going to talk about marriage and next week we'll talk about parenting. And the following week, we're going to talk about our work lives and what we do um, Monday through Friday, or for some of you, Monday through Sunday, um, really kind of living lives and, and working and, and, and making a living or, or attempting to do that. And so the next three weeks are, are very practical, and, and it's not just going to be self-help here. It's not just us giving our opinions. We're going to stay with what we've been doing all year long, just walking through God's Word, looking for this series back into the book of Ephesians, which is a, a book, a letter that's written by the Apostle Paul to a church in the city of Ephesus. And he speaks very specifically to these topics that we're going to talk about. So for the next three weeks, we're going to do that. But, you know, marriage is a tough topic to talk about. You know, as we began to look at this idea of marriage and to study this, this topic and this idea, you know, there's a lot of different ideas and understandings about what marriage is. You know, in our present culture, you've got even the attempt to redefine marriage, and you have the, the gay marriage debate and discussion. You have, um, you know, you have two believers that may be married together, and they have a really healthy marriage, it appears, from the outside. But what does that look like on a daily basis? You have two unbelievers. They don't believe in God, and they, they seem to have a happy marriage. So how is that if God's Word speaks to marriage? You have maybe one or the other that is a believer, and the other is not, and they're attempting to figure out how to live life together. And so we understand that as you come in today, you may have a completely different perspective or context about marriage than we do. And we're not sitting up here today as if we're the gurus at all. Um, we're not here presenting like our marriage is perfect or that we've got it all figured out. We just are going to talk about what God's word says about marriage. And, and we'll interject some of our thoughts and ideas as it, as it is that we attempt to live this out every day in taking God's word and trying to apply it to our individual lives and then how we do that collectively. So you're going to jump off first, right. right? Well, if you will turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians 5, verse 22, and we will start there. It says, now husbands are about to really like me, and, men, and women may not like me so much after this. But it says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church his body, and his is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should sum, submit in everything to their husbands. Now I know that the word submission causes most of us to cringe. So before we get too nervous about it, I thought we would define it. My husband, um, every time he speaks, I feel like he defines a word. So I felt like in being um, committed to this, I would do like he does. And so the word submit, this is, um, this word was a Greek military term, meaning to arrange in a military fashion under the command of a, or under the command of a leader and in non-military use, which is what we're going to use it as today. It was a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility and carrying a burden. 
And so submitting is this idea of saying, I am voluntarily giving in to you. And all of us, I think, are submitted to something. And somehow when it gets brought into the marriage relationship, it kind of has this negative connotation. But I think if we look at our lives at large, we would see that all of us are submitted to something. If you are an employee, you are submitted to an employer. You are giving in to what they say is best for the company or on your job. If you are a student... You sit in a classroom, and in that classroom environment, you are submitted to the teacher. You are committed to doing what they ask you to do and to following in their leadership and in their guidelines and in their rules. And God has set up this idea of marriage to be that way, that in the marriage relationship, he, my husband, is the head of our household. And so I think it is important, though, for you to know a little bit about the way I was raised. I am one of three sisters. I have two sisters. I'm the middle. I have an older sister who had the privilege of spending some time with yesterday to celebrate my niece's one-year birthday. And then my younger sister is here with me today, which I'm so thankful for. And then my mom did a terrific job raising all of us all by herself. She was a single lady. We had four women in our house at all times. Very few men were ever there. She was single all the time. And the reason that's important for you to know is because my mom raised three very independent women. Amen. And I remember... It's true. That was a good point. When a car was broken, we went out and we fixed the car. And that is not a lie. And when things needed to be hung on the wall, we hung them on the wall. When we were going on vacation and suitcases had to be loaded in the car, we loaded them in the car. And I remember when we got married and Jeremy tried to pick up my suitcase, I thought, that is so insulting. Does he not think that I can carry my own luggage? I have done this for the past 22 years, and I can still do it now. And I came into this marriage very independent. And you should know that that's okay to be independent and that you can be independent and still be submissive. That submission is not this idea of me giving over my every will and my every way and losing who I am as a person to say whatever you need and whatever you want, I'll give it to you and forget about who I am. That is not submission. But if we look at the word of God, the Bible says, the scripture that we just read, sometimes we lose it a little bit when we are told to submit to our husbands. But when you look at the scripture, it says, submit to your husband as in submitting to the Lord. So my submission does not first lie in submitting to my husband. It starts with my submission to the Lord. Christ created this pyramid of he is the head of the church and I am the bride of Christ and I submit to him knowing that he has all authority and I give myself to him. And that is what a marriage is supposed to be. God created marriage to be an earthly example, an earthly picture of what his love for us is and the church's responsibility to Christ. And that's what marriage was. It's supposed to be a very earthly example of what Christ and the church looks like. The way I love my husband may speak volumes to my neighbor about how Christ loves them. And how, how, we, how I am submitted to him speaks volumes of how I am submitted to Christ in my heart. Um, being submitted to my husband does not make me a slave or a servant to him. I am not a slave or a servant to Christ. I willingly, like the, like the definition said, I willingly submit to his ways and his authorities and his leadership and his guidance. And in marriage, I am saying, I willingly trust you 
to be the Godhead of this household and that you are going to make decisions that best affect us and our family. And I submit myself to you. That doesn't mean when he's sitting on the couch and he's tired and he says, Corey, go get me a drink. And I say, yes, sir, I'm submitted to you, whatever you want. Or when he says, I need you to run to the store, I'll say right now, how fast? Submission is not a slave kind of attitude. It is, he still listens to me. I still give my opinion and I should. I still have advice and I still have things. And most of the time I'll give my advice and then I walk away from, from the advice and pray that God gives him enough sense and wisdom to actually listen to what I said and that he better do it. And that's how submitted I am. (laughs) No, but I do. I still give my opinion and it is still a very much give and take. But at the end of the day, if we are saying we have a relationship, we have a marriage that we want to honor Christ in. Then I say that when I married him and I said I do, I am saying I trust you to lead this home. I'm trusting that you are seeking God in everything that we are about to do and every endeavor that we will take. And that I submit to you knowing that you have our best family's interest at mind. And service and submission sometimes seems difficult. We have life group and I love my life group so much. We have a group of several couples and we are going through a marriage DVD now through Andy, with Andy Stanley um, with our small group. And we had, a, I guess, two weeks ago, Jay, mm-hmm. we had our life group and we had some couples sitting around and we were talking about this idea of submission. And we had a, we had a couple in our life group say that they love to do things together. They love to cook together. They love to garden together and all kinds of things. And at the as they were talking about it, the, the guy said his name is Quincy. I don't know if Quincy's here. I'm still in his quote. But um, he was sitting there and he was saying, I love to do things with my wife. But when we are doing things together, I first have to pause and say, okay, I don't care who's in charge of this situation, but somebody's got to be in charge. Because when you have two people in charge, it just doesn't work. It makes me think of when I was in high school and the teachers would give you a project, but they would think you needed to learn how to work together as a team. And so they would couple you with somebody and it never failed. One of two things happened. You both either came into it with this like strong idea of like how it was going to go and you just battled back and forth the whole time and couldn't agree, agree on what to do. Or you had the partner, which never failed. I'm sure you all, you all had this too that you ended up doing 90% of the work. You know, you get this project and you're waiting for the deadline and you end up doing the whole project yourself and your partner did like 10% of it. And it, or it makes me think of like a, a professional baseball team where they have a manager. Now, these are grown men who get paid a significant sum of money to play ball. They know the sport, but there is a manager. There is someone there that is in charge, that is in control, that makes decisions. Because if you had all of those men out there trying to make decisions, women, let me hear an amen, that they would all think that they knew what was best to do, right? No, but God created... I don't think created... that's in the notes. I don't think we're supposed to. No. <laughs> but there is supposed to be this idea of leadership. And when we were studying, I found this, this quote. It's going to be on the screen. I am going to read it. It's rather long, and I don't want to mess it up. But I think that I could have just read this, and it would sum up perfectly what I'm trying to say about submission. And it'll be up on the screen. It says, the wife is to be subject to her husband as to the Lord. She serves the Lord by having a submissive heart towards her husband and by obeying him as long as it does not require her to disobey the Lord. This subjection does not mean inferiority. It is clear that male and female are both created in the image of God. uh, Generations, I almost said generations. That's all right, Genesis. Genesis 127. 
And in that in Christ, where personal worth is concerned, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, for we are all one in Christ, Galatians 3.28. However, in the overall scheme of things, God has placed us all in differing positions of authority and submission. The man may be in authority at the home, but submissive at work. The woman may be in submission at home, but in authority at work. The point is, all social order depends on people's willingness to work together and the ability to determine who is the head center of this endeavor. God's intention is that the head is that the husband to be head of this relationship with his wife. Now that sounds all wonderful and good, but how do we apply that into our everyday lives? And I think that there are some practical ways that submission may look like in your everyday life. And for me, it is just trusting Jeremy. It is respecting him. It is kind of honoring him as the head of our household. It doesn't mean that I don't ask questions. But more than asking the questions, it's probably safe to say that it's the way that I ask the question. And it's not so much that I have questions or doubts about the decisions that he's going to make, but it's this idea of the way I present it, the attitude in which I come to him and say, I'm a little concerned with, with these things. And it's him knowing that I am so thankful that he provides for us, that he works for us, that he has our best interest at heart. And it's very similar in the way we approach the Lord. I approach the Lord saying, I don't know exactly what's going on, but I trust you. And I don't know exactly what direction you're leading us in, but I choose to believe that you are the head of my life and that you are going to lead me in a direction that is safe, that you are going to protect me and my family, that you are going to lead, guide, and direct us. And those are the ways I, I look at the Lord and I, tr- and I approach the Lord. And even though he is human, I am trusting that he is seeking God for our family and for our life. And it is easy for me to be submitted to that. But I know that sitting here in this room today, there are people whose marriages are difficult. They're challenging. Communication is not well. Submitting seems like such a hard task because you don't trust their decision making. And I would say in those situations that if it is a bad marriage, if it is a physically abusive marriage, I, I, I pray that you seek help in those areas. But if, if you are the only one serving God in that marriage and your spouse is not, your husband is not, I pray that you can you continue to stay committed and faithful to God and continue to pray for your husband. And as, as humanly possible, you stay submitted to him. But we ultimately, women, are held responsible for the scripture. And the scripture tells us that as we are submitted to Christ, so we're to be, to be submitted to our husbands. And so I would dare to say that we have to be that it is impossible to be submitted to your husband if you are not first submitted to Christ. And the same would be said too. It is, if you say, I am submitted to Christ, and you check your heart, and you are not submitted to your husband, then I would think that there are some unresolved issues of your heart or areas of your life that you've probably not fully given over to the Lord. Guys, if I hear the word wives submit to your husbands, I think, woo right? But when I hear it explained like this, I think, oh, uh oh, that's a lot of responsibility. She's trusting me a whole lot here, right? I mean, we hear this word, wives, submit to your husbands. And there is an idea, even though some of this is because this word and this idea has been manipulated. But there's the idea that, you know, she's got to give in or she, that I'm, I'm better. Or I'm the head or I'm, I'm the ruler. Or I'm, but guys, we, we have a 
at least as heavy a responsibility to our wives. I would even personally say, for me, it's a heavier responsibility then. Let's just jump back into the text and, and let's look at this and then let's talk for a moment. Husbands, this is beginning in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two should become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, when we read this, I, I don't know how this hits you, but if she is commanded, if the wife is commanded through this text to submit to the husband, let me tell you what I'm commanded to do. I'm commanded to love my wife. Now, we talked about this just a few minutes ago at the end of our worship set, but the whole idea of the word love has been so misused and, and warped and manipulated and abused, and, and, and it, it, it doesn't carry some of the same weight that it used to. But the idea of the word love that's used here is to have love for someone or something based on sincere appreciation and high regard. To love and to regard with affection and loving concern. Loving as if you, as, as you do yourself. So when I say, yes, I love my wife, I've used this illustration before, but when I say I love my wife, she has to know that I mean something different than I love Mexican food. Right. Because I do. I love Mexican food. Right. She has to know that I mean something different than I love my favorite sports team. She has to know that I mean something different than I love. So she's got to get this idea. She's got to know by the actions that I have in my life and the way that I interact with her, that I love her as I love myself. I hold her in sincere appreciation and high regard. I lift her up in the way that I treat her and in the way that I love her. And so husbands, as you look at your relationship with your wife, and I'm going to talk to the married men for a minute. We're going to come to everybody else in the room in just a second. Husbands, as you look at your relationship with your wife, do you truly love her? Not do you like her, not do you have some general emotional connection for her, not you'd rather have her around than not, not yeah, she's, you know, good. She does things for us. She keeps the house in order. She makes me feel good. Do you love her? And if you're having trouble understanding maybe that question or trying to figure out if you fit, let's, let's jump to first Corinthians chapter 13. Let's read a couple verses. Many of you know, right where we're going. That's what it says. Beginning in verse four of first Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Some of you could stop right there. You just flunked the test. Okay. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. 
believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You know what I think that this passage should have been labeled? Men will never do this right. <laughs> I, think, I think that should have been what the chapter heading was. Men, do you love your wife in this way? Do you love her in a patient and kind way? Do you love her in a way that's not, where you're not envying, you know, what she's able to do or the freedom that she has to go and do something? Do you not, do you love her in a way where you don't boast about the things that you've done? Do you love her in a way that is not rude or irritable? Hello. Do you love her in a way that's not resentful? That you don't rejoice in, in, in wrongdoing? That's an easy one for me. She never does anything wrong, Right? But do thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> but do you do you love her in a way that doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing? Do you love her in a way that that, that believes all things, hopes in all things, bears all things, endures all things? If not, then let me just say to you, you got some work to do. Because you've been sitting there maybe thinking, well, maybe you didn't use these words, okay? But in some way you've been looking at her going, why won't she submit to me? You've been looking at her saying, she won't trust me. She doesn't believe in me. She doesn't affirm me. She doesn't do these things for me. She doesn't, you know, fix this issue in my life. She doesn't do these things. She doesn't help me. Start with you. I got to start with me. There's nowhere in this text that we've read so far that says, I am to love my wife once she submits to me. Doesn't say that. There's nowhere in the text for her that says she submits to me once I love her. I have to decide as I pursue Christ, just like she talked about, that I'm going to love her in this kind of love, whether she submits or not. She is commanded through Scripture to be submissive and and, and trusting and affirming and honoring and respecting me, whether I love her as Christ loved the church. Because that's a hard hard deal, but I'm supposed to go first here. I'm just supposed to, to launch out and attempt with every fiber of my being to put her first. Now, this is not in her submitting to me that I get my way all the time. It actually should be quite the opposite. It should be that in her submitting to me as husband, that I feel the weight of that now. That I understand now that I'm on the hook for the decisions that I make on behalf of our family, on behalf of our marriage. It doesn't mean she's the silent partner. What I love about our marriage is exactly what she describes. She brings a lot to the table. She is so wise. So when we're sitting down trying to make a decision about our finances or trying to make a decision about a a job or trying to make a decision about if or where we should move or a house or any kids school or things that, that deal with the children. I don't just walk in and go, here's what we're doing. Get on board. I can just tell you that wouldn't go over well in my house, right? But I am submitted. She Absolutely. But I'm just telling you, what, what we do is, is we, we sit down and talk about it. Or we talk about it while crossing paths in the kitchen or in the, in the hallway. We're, we're a team. There's a partnership here. And so I understand that as she says, hey, I, I'm submitted to you. I'm deferring to you. I trust you with, with the decisions you're making for our family. I'm like, whoa. Well, let's talk about it first. Let's make sure we're on the same page here. Now, ultimately, it may mean that i got to make a decision. I've got, to, I've got to lean into the wisdom of the Lord. I've got to have discernment to understand what it is that God's speaking to me or speaking to or over our family. But I, this doesn't give me a position of this authoritative, like, you've got to get on board with this. This is the idea that I am so 
submitted myself to Christ. That I want to do the very best that I can to lead and direct and guide my family. Because it represents not just the way I love her, but it represents the way that Christ loved the church. Here's the amazing thing about marriage in present culture. This is not just about me and her. If you're married in this room, it's not just about you and your spouse. You know what it is? It is the visual depiction given to the earth by God to tell the story of how his son loves us. It's the visual depiction. We're sitting in a drama theater. They had a a production this past week. People came, they sat in seats, and they watched on this stage as people acted out different characters, and they interacted together with one another to tell this story. And guess what? Your marriage is that every single day. But it's not the story of your family. It's not the story of just the husband and wife. It is the story of how Jesus Christ interacts with his bride. It's the story of how the bride of Christ, the church, responds and is submitted to the authority of Jesus Christ. There's no way in that context for me to feel like I've got some, hey, look at me, I'm superior. No. No, now in that context, I understand that I have an incredible responsibility to represent Jesus Christ in the way that I interact with her. Every single day when I interact with her, when I'm talking to her, when I'm, when I'm attempting to care for our family, make decisions for our family, I'm not Jeremy. I'm Christ for our family. I'm Christ for his bride. Attempting to do the will of the Father for the betterment of those he's entrusted to me. You talk about heavy? You want to talk about something that I've got to figure out how to live out, that I've got to constantly check my heart and my motives and my spirit? I've got to constantly say, well, how, how am I doing in this? Now, let me just tell you how I'm doing. Not great, right? I'm human. I'm imperfect. I'm flawed, just like we've been talking about the last few weeks as we talked about our emotions and our habits and all these things that we're trying to, trying to live out every day. But it causes me to constantly be pursuing more of Christ's nature in my life. It's what we talked about last week. Christ, let your nature be shaped in me. And not just for me, for us. So that as we live in our house as husband and wife, that the children that you've entrusted to us don't have any trouble understanding the love of Christ because they see the way that I interact with her. They don't have any trouble understanding how they are supposed to be submitted to the Father because they see how she interacts with me. We are modeling for our children and for the next generation and even even people that are not in our homes, for our neighbors and our co-workers and our friends and our family, what it means for Christ to love the church and the church to love Christ. So let's come back to some really practical things. Let's, let's, Let's finish with this for the married folks. And then let's see if we're all on the same page in some of this. What are some ways that you think you exhibit your submission to me in really practical ways? I think you saw my word a minute ago. But I think that I defer to you. I think when there's decisions to be made, I I defer to you. And so when she does that, I'm now on the hook. 
right? And I mean that in, with all due respect. Like, it, it, it could be something small. She does this a lot. I'll say, where do you want to go eat tonight? And she'll say, I don't care. Whatever you want. I thought that ended after we got done, like, dating and got married. It didn't. It just continued right on. So she's like, I don't, you know, wherever you want to go. I, I, she doesn't say this, but I, I picture her saying, I defer to you, oh, wise one of our home. Right? <laughs> or something like that. All right, so you know what I've got to do? Like, if I'm this authoritative figure, like, yes, you are submitted woman, oh, mine. No. You know what I do? I'm like, I'm going to go where I want to go. We're going to Mexican. No. No, you know what I got to do? She submitted. I got to love. I've got to, in return, defer back to her. I've got to consider her needs and her desires and her wants. So here's the question I might ask. If she were to choose, where, where would she go? And I've got to consider that. Doesn't mean every time we're going to go to the sushi place. All right? But it might mean that we're going to go by my place and pick up sushi to go for her, right? Because we're going to try as best I can for me to consider her needs. So she says she's submitted by deferring to me. And that's a very small example. But in larger life issues, I've got to consider her point of view as well. And, and love her and hold her opinion and her desires and her wants as well in high regard. What's some other things? I think my attitude towards you. I think even just as simple as when you get home from work, me being nice. The way I speak to you, not speaking um, poorly to, about you to other people or even in the way we handle arguments, the way I, we communicate with one another, my tone of voice, the things that I say. The, the response for me out of that, and, and I'm probably the only one in the room that struggles with this, okay? So I'll tell on myself. The response for me to that and the way that I reciprocate that, I'll use Justin's word, reciprocate that to her her submission, my loving response to that, holding her and our children in high regard, sincere affection and appreciation. You know what, you know what my response has got to be? I got to be present. I mean, if, if I come home from work and I'm physically in the house, but not anywhere near it, mentally, emotionally, verbally, I'm not really there. I'm just kind of there. I'm just there enough to get in their way. <laughs> I'm just there enough to not contribute to our home in those moments. Like my loving response to that, and this is difficult, okay? I'm telling on myself, nobody else is struggling with this, and that's okay, but if you say amen, I'll appreciate it. Um, my response, my loving response to that submission and, and, and her attitude and her response to me, my loving response, sometimes I got I to gotta put away distractions, I got to put the phone down. I got to turn the TV off. I got to not be watching the game. And uh uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's great, babe. I don't have a clue what she said. But I know when there's a pause, I'm supposed to respond, right? I got to be present in the moment. I got to hold her in higher regard than other. It doesn't mean I don't get hobbies. It doesn't mean I don't get to do things that I enjoy. But it's finding the balance that shows her, hey, I'm an individual person, you're an individual person. But in my pursuit of that, I am also lovingly holding you in high regard. Corey and I heard one time this really great illustration of communication in marriage. And I think it, it fits really well here as it relates to just this give and take of respect and love and submission and love. And it was the idea of playing ping pong. Husbands and wives playing ping pong. That would not work for us. We're very competitive, right? And but, I can't play ping pong. That's true too. But um, now the idea of playing ping pong, that I, I serve something. I, 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 you know, I hit it across the net. I am doing some action toward her 
to let her know how I feel about her or to make decisions for our family. Now, instead of just spiking it right all over my head, she, you know, she's volleying back. She's hitting that back. So good communication. She can either end the point right now and make the point or she can somehow keep this play alive and respond back in a way so that I get a chance to respond back. And there's this give and take of communication and there's this give and take of love and respect and mutual submission toward one another. Maybe it's the idea, and, and, and she referenced our life group. We, we watched this DVD curriculum a couple weeks ago. Maybe it's the idea of you know, holding the door for one another. It's almost the idea that neither one of you want to go first because you continue to defer to the other one, trying to let them be first, them go first. Oh, no, I'm deferring to you. No, you go first. But in my loving, high-regard response to her, I'm like, no, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. The idea that we're going to constantly be working at this idea of putting the other one before ourselves. Now, let me just kind of end with this thought. And this is where we gather everybody else back together. If If you've been sitting here today and you're not married... Maybe you, you, you haven't been married yet, or maybe you were married and you got divorced. Maybe you're dating, maybe you're engaged, maybe you're living together. Whatever your context is, okay, let's just all get on the same page right here. Before we ever got to verse 22 of Ephesians chapter 5, you don't know what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21? It's going to be up on the screen, and this is what it says. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. No reference to husbands and wives. General acknowledgement that in my relationship with you as someone who is attempting to have reverence for Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life, that I myself am supposed to be submitted to you. So before wives are commanded to submit to their husbands, that harsh word that makes us cringe. She's already submitted to me because she has reverence for Christ. She's submitted to you. But before I'm even allowed to receive that submission from her out of her reverence for Christ, I'm already submitted to her as another of Christ's children. I'm submitted to you because I'm submitted to him. So if you're married in the room, the idea of submission, respect, love shouldn't be a new term. It should start first and foremost with your your effort To be submitted to Christ and out of that submission to him, being submitted to one another. If you're not married in the room, you know where it starts? Same place. You're attempting to live submitted to Christ. And then, let's go to you've not yet been married. You're single, you're dating, you're engaged, whatever your context is. One day, maybe in your future, you will get married. It still starts in the same place. You start by submitting yourself to him, Jesus Christ. And then if you're not in a relationship or maybe you are, what you do is then as your relationship develops, you begin to see if this is the kind of relationship where out of your submission to Christ, you can mutually submit and love and respect and affirm one another. If it's not, don't don't point the blame at the person you're with. Check your heart. Because it probably starts with you and your unwillingness to submit to Christ or unwillingness or inability to submit to someone else. Maybe you're in the room today and you were married and something happened and you're no longer married. I don't I don't even want to begin to think about how we got to that place. Maybe it was someone broke the covenant. You were them. Maybe it was some some abusive relationship one way or the other. Maybe there was no explanation given. 
but somebody left. You know where it starts for you today? Am I submitted to Christ? In this moment today, considering all of my past, am I submitted to Christ? And as I move forward every day of my life from this point forward, am I allowing Christ to heal the hurts and pains of my past so that I can be submitted to Christ and out of reverence for him be submitted to others? Whether I remarry ever, before I ever become a wife again or become a husband again and try to figure out how to work this out, I got to start with my heart. Am I Submitted to him. I mean, there's a lot of ways you could go. But that's the response today. The response today for every person in the room. Is not point at your spouse, elbow them sitting beside you and go, you got to work on this. It's not sitting there even trying to figure out when that day will come. Which is very fair. Trying to figure out why it went bad back then, which is very fair, starts here. Christ, God, am I am I submitted to you? Is there a part of my heart that's not submitted to you? And if so, would you purge it? Would you make me more like you? And as I do that, would you allow me to interact with others in ways that honor that? And as dating or marriage relationships come, would you allow me to live in that relationship in ways that honor you, the ways that we interact with one another? I wasn't going to tell this, but I decided to. That's how we're going to close. Corey and I have been best friends since we were 13 years old. That's why hopefully we can have these jokes and it not be a big deal. (laughs) We'll find out this afternoon, I guess, but uh, I'm totally kidding. Best friends since we were 13. And during the time from 13 to about 20, 21, our relationship was strictly friendship except for a five-month period of time when we were 15 years old. We dated in that 15, about 16, I guess, 16 years old. We dated during that five-month stretch of time. Other than that, we were just friends. Corey's mom would say to her, and, and with much wisdom, why don't you marry Jeremy? Why don't you date Jeremy? Why don't you love Jeremy? She'd be like, oh, he's just my friend. Nobody ever asked me that because they knew I was in love with her, right? But um, I, I dated other people. She dated other people. We were just friends. Like, this is dangerous because we're, we're recording this. This goes out to the world. But, like, I went on a first date, dropped that girl off, went and picked Corey up, went somewhere else. <laughs> she was just my friend, my best friend. And, and while we were in college, I was working at a church as a youth pastor, part-time youth pastor, starving to death. And um, my pastor called us into a period of what he called a solemn assembly. It's 40 days of prayer and fasting. And I felt like when he called our church to that, that I was supposed to be a part of that. Pastor didn't make me, didn't ask me to, just I felt like God was saying, listen, you need to consecrate yourself over these next 40 days and just give of yourself to me and I felt like that I was supposed to participate during that time. During a 40-day stretch, there was supposed to be a part of that. Unbeknownst to me, Corey was sitting in the service and felt like God was saying to her that she needed to be a part of that as well and that she needed to just be a part of what God was doing and she was going to consecrate herself. There was this period of like 21 days of very specific prayer. And neither one of us were praying about specifically our, our future or love or marriage or relationships or anything. 
And so we started this process. Prayer, fasting, churches doing all kinds of great things. And her, her period of fasting ended and, and mine was still going a little bit. And so, you know, then one night she went to the grocery store to get some groceries. And I met her at her apartment. I'm telling on myself, those that are close to me, make fun of me for this. I was sitting on her couch. I could take you right back to it. She had this like sectional couch. I'm sitting on this part. Her little kitchen area is over there. And she's up on the counter on her knees putting cans up into the cabinets. I, honest to goodness, I wasn't praying about it, thinking about it, nothing. I was, I was just sitting there talking to her. And when I, I'm looking this way, and when I looked over and watched her sitting on the counter putting cans up there, here's what I thought. Aw. No, it gets better. You're going to make fun of me after this. I thought, aw. I want her to put my cans away the rest of my life. I'm not kidding. Like, I'm not ashamed to admit that. I'm not. It's like a term of endearment now within our family that, like, our, our, my sister-in-law will look at her husband and go, baby, you can put my cans away anytime you want. <laughs> they said it one time. It, it did not end well for them. No, but I... You're a liar. Um... <laughs> Now, here's, here's the deal. I, now, here, here's why I'm telling you this, okay? It, it may not happen like this for you. And if you're already married, there may not have been that aha moment. You just kind of found each other and was like, hey, this makes sense. Let's do this. All right. All right. So, you know, I don't know what your story is, okay? The 40 days ended on Friday. We went to our first date at O'Charlie's on Saturday. I had loaded potato soup. Thank you very much. And on Tuesday, I called my mom and said, I need you to help me find a ring. I just knew. I mean, I just knew. Now, here, here again, here's why I'm telling you this, okay? I'm telling you this because I believe with all of my heart that this amazing woman who had been in my life at that point for like a, a decade, there was something that happened in my heart toward her when my heart opened up to him. There was this period of those 40, I wasn't living in sin, I wasn't a dirty, rotten person, but there was this part of me that I just needed to kind of focus on God and and just have him get my attention and, and pray some prayers. And as that happened, there was something incredible that happened. I thought, she's been right there the whole time. How'd I miss it? Now, I don't know if it happened exactly that way for her. But there was something about that season, that period that started with us together, separately, focusing on him that brought us together. And if you're in here today and you're trying to figure out how to bring your heart together with another. You're married, but there's some strain there. You're trying to figure out how do we get back across the divide that's been created. You're not married and you're trying to figure out how do I get somebody there, (laughs) You're attempting to figure out something. How do, how do we make this work? Let me, let me just tell you where you start. Out of reverence for Christ, which implies a submission to him, submit to one another. Be reverent to Christ. Love, respect. Give him lordship of your life. And in that... Pursue him first. And see if he doesn't begin to bring healing there. Even if they're not pursuing the same thing, it could be that your unabandoned pursuit of him 
and your submission to that person wins them over. In your reverent pursuit of Christ, submit to one another. Let's pray. God, I love you and I thank you so much for this day. This is a tough subject. I love to talk about it, but it's tough because everybody's got such a different context and understanding of this subject, this passage of Scripture. There's hurts and pains involved. There's the, there's the opportunity for anybody in the room to say, yeah, but you don't know my situation. And that's so true. But God, you do. And would you just start with us individually? Would you help us to check our hearts? Would you help us to prune the parts of us that don't honor you, that aren't submitted to you? God, for wives in the room, would you help them out of their love for you and in a reflection of their submission to you, God, to submit to their husbands? God, would you help husbands in the room out of their love and and respect and submission to you to love and affirm and hold in high regard their wives? Would you help those that are single in the room, God, to submit to you and to love and affirm you, God, and as they do that, that you would fulfill every desire of their heart? For those that are dating in any context or engaged, God, would you help them to submit to you, work on themselves first, Not look for anyone to fulfill any part of their life that's missing, but submit to you. And God then work in the context of their relationship to be mutually submitted, loving, respectful of one another. God, every single one of us have the exact same response today. We start with us. We gauge our submittedness to you. And then we look to those that you've given to us most closely. Search our hearts. Help us to search our hearts, God, and let us live in ways that honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.